Welcome to Attention to Detail, the classical music listening guide, where we give you the tools to understand, appreciate, and enjoy listening to classical music. Hey, welcome back to Attention to Detail. This is Hannah joined with Jacob Joyce. Hey, Jacob. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Very good. We are now in the week, first week of our season. Yeah, it's game week. Yep, we yeah. We have gala this week. You have a... I have a happy hour on Thursday that's yeah. gearing up. Lots of moving parts for that. And I've got four soloists, a featured soloist from the orchestra, and a female choir of 16 singers. So it's... A lot juggling, and then we go straight into gala right after that. So yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's it's always fun. I've missed the orchestra, so I'm glad to be back. Yeah, yeah. people will be rolling in here very shortly. Mm-hmm. It's exciting, and then after two days of gala, I'm of course leaving again. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the way conducting works. I'm like here half the time, and the other half of the time somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's exciting. I'm looking forward to. Uh, to gala. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah, it's going to be, we're going to have a good time. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward. So, what are we talking about today? I think we're talking about melody. That's that's the plan. Yeah. yeah. I think we're gearing up for something down the road, though, for our listeners. We're going to build in in a little bit of, of steps for an end goal here, like we sort of did with our first four episodes. Yeah, and I think my aspiration here is to um, eventually work up to listening to a decently complicated piece of music, like a movement of a Mahler symphony, maybe, or um, something that I think people uh, are drawn to intellectually, but probably there's there's a lot there that is challenging. Mm. And I was thinking about, you know, we can't, it, it's hard to dive right into that, so let's, like we did with our first four episodes, let's actually get a little more rigorous and build up some of the the tools that we need kind of start thinking the way that some of these composers thought yeah. so that we can dive in and actually do that. Yeah, yeah. just some light conditioning. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like aerobic yep. Let's exercise. Hit the gym. Yeah. So, Jacob, start by telling us what a melody actually is in like a, in like a in formal a, in a, sense. Yes, in a learned sense. Yeah, well, I mean, really... I don't think we need to be too learned about this because the reason why we're starting with melody, I think it's probably the most basic Mm. parameter of music. Mm -hmm. When you listen to any song on the radio, whatever it is, the primary voice, the thing that you sing along to is the melody. Not in, in pop music, if there's a vocalist. 95% 95% of the time, the melody is the thing that's being sung by the vocalist. Yeah. Of course, there's all this other stuff, right? There's There could be a piano. Yep. There could be a drum set. Um, there could be synth sounds in the background. There could be talking, anything else. Yeah. That's not melody. That's a bunch of other stuff. Yep. What is melody is the actual notes, musical notes, or pitches that the person in in the case of a pop song is singing if it's if it's a instrumental piece mm-hmm. it's the notes the stuff that you would would hum along to that an instrument is playing and that holds for classical music just like it holds for pop music yeah. i mean it's actually uh classical music can be very complicated but this is this is a simple one it's mm. just 
in 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 layman's terms, it's the thing that you would kind of sing along to. But in in a more formal term, it's it's the primary line of music. Yeah. Um, anything else that's supportive, accompanimental, provides enhancement. Yeah. Is something other than the melody. Yeah. So what makes a great melody? That one is a little trickier to answer than just what is a melody, but I think that's an interesting thing to to think about for this episode because I want people to kind of start priming their ears towards listening to melody, which hopefully shouldn't be that difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, hopefully that's the easiest thing for people to pick out in any kind of music is the melody. But if you want to start thinking about music a little more critically, which is one of the points of our podcast, I'd love to give some suggestions and kind of semi-rules for what what actually makes a really good melody. And that way you can kind of start evaluating for yourself, you know, is this actually a good musical Mm, melody? Do I actually... um, And I wonder why I might like this song, like this piece, whatever... Is it the melody? Is it something else? So it's not just subjective as to what makes a great melody and what... No, no. I think hopefully you'll find over the course of this that there's some subjectivity, but there's also a lot of stuff that we can actually isolate and say... I mean, music has a lot of, like, formulaic sense behind it. Right, and that's... I think that's one of the most beautiful things about it is that you... You don't realize how much structure actually goes into a lot of the times what ends up being something that feels very emotional, subjective, in the moment. Um, But hopefully we'll find over the course of this that, for example, um, and this this, uh, episode, this entire, there's there's no desire on my part to (laughs) diminish any other form of music Mm. whatsoever. And I'll say, I think pop music has some of the best melodies. Um, that's why it's so catchy. Yeah. But I think we'll find also that there are some pretty simple rules that we can look into that really can explain a lot of why we enjoy certain pop melodies. So I thought let's start. Let's start by just listening to a few famous melodies, a couple classical, a couple non-classical, um, and just to get a sense of what I personally and hopefully a lot of other people think are, are good melodies and activating yeah. our melody ear. So here's the first one. Maybe this is the most famous melody in all of classical music. I'm sure most of our listeners have heard this one before. So that's the first one, Beethoven's Ode to Joy, mm. one of my favorite melodies. Um, let's keep listening, though. Let's, let's, I'll give you a couple more. Uh, maybe you've heard this one. This is also a famous one by one of the greatest composers of melodies in classical music, mm. Tchaikovsky. Here's a, here's a great Tchaikovsky melody.
All right, so that one is is the famous horn solo from the second movement of Chaik's Fifth Symphony. Did you like that one? It's so lovely. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It is uh, one of my favorite moments in Tchaikovsky. Mm. Admittedly, not one of my favorite composers, Oof. but one of the greatest composers of melodies. Yeah. So whenever there's a great melody, you, you, you got to love that. Now, I've got one more from the non-classical world. I was inspired to choose this one because, as you know, I went two days ago to our last Symphony on the Prairie concert, which was a Elton John, Billy Joel mm. cover band uh, extravaganza. Yeah. There were like 20,000 people there. It was mayhem. Yeah. It was really fun, though. Yeah. Um, I actually really enjoyed myself. I have to admit, I have a staggeringly small knowledge of non-classical music. Yeah, we were at a Frank, Frank Sinatra tribute yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and you didn't know... Anything. 90% and yeah. it was embarrassing to be with you. Yeah, that one was rough. <laughs> that one was rough. The I had heard a couple of these. Okay. Including this next one which which is another fantastic melody All right. in my opinion. So here's here's a Billy Joel song. Sing us a song, you're the piano man. Sing us a song tonight. Well, we're all in the mood for a melody And you've got us feeling all right That's funny. As we were listening, I just noticed the word melody is in the lyrics yeah. that he's talking about it. So he knew that he was going to be on <laughs> this episode of the podcast. Yep. So... I want us to think about those melodies. Um, I'm going to go over, use our handy-dandy piano here a little bit to, to break them down a little bit. But there's a couple rules about melody that I want us to think about and think about why mm-hmm. these make up a really good melody. So the first rule that we have is the idea of what we technically call in in music theory or something yeah. stepwise motion okay. which means that the musical notes that you're actually going to hear end up being very close to each other so i'm just going to go over to the piano here so we can listen actually to let's let's take the example of ode to joy so ode to joy goes like this right It might be hard to hear that, but hopefully we can hear that every one of those notes, when I played them on the piano, you know, the notes that are closer to each other on the piano yeah. are closer together in in pitch and how, how similar they sound. All of those notes are right next to each other. So every time we move up or down, it's only by one note. Mm. We contrast that to something, if I went... Those notes are very far apart together. Yeah. And they don't feel like they have as much connection. So when I play the Ode to Joy melody... They're all in a row. And so one of the things about melodies is that we want the majority of the melody to be 
close together. Yeah. That's what makes it familiar, um, natural sounding. It's in a very small region. And that ends up creating another very important aspect of melody, which is contour. Yeah. And that's how we can start to understand a melody is with its shaping like that. Now, I'll get to the contour of a melody in a second, but I want to mention one thing, which is that melodies would be boring if we only moved in this very small, stepwise, close-together motion. So what makes a melody really special is when the composer, the singer, whatever, whoever it may be, uses a leap in the melody mm. where they depart from the stepwise motion yep. in a very important, poignant way yeah. that works well. So listen to the second half of the Beethoven melody. So we're going... So there's something about that melody that feels so well constructed because it's so close together. And then we have that special moment where he really uses a leap to highlight something. Mm. And it comes at a moment that feels natural, but we notice those things very strikingly. When the expectation has been set up that everything's going to be close together, then you can use something like a leap to really highlight mm. an idea, especially when you have a song with with words, yeah. a leap can be very poignant to emphasize a word. It really pulls the attention. Yeah, yeah. and it it because you're in this small acoustic zone of a few notes, and then you leap out of it. Yeah. It's it's special. So I want to as as I play the other melodies and we think about them a little bit I want us to keep thinking about that idea of composers, songwriters whoever it may be, building melodies that are close together and using leaps in a very deliberate way now, kind of in conjunction with that there's a big element of melodies having structure a structure that is both the correct amount of predictable what we might expect Mm. and the correct amount of unpredictable surprising captivating so if we take let's still stay with ode to joy we have this melody that goes somehow where we end there, we've set up this expectation. And so, for some reason, it feels like the natural conclusion to that idea is to go... It feels like it's concluded something. Mm. If we did this again... Keep 
going and going. And it's it just, a lot of like question answer. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel balanced. It doesn't feel concluded. And there's something about the structure of a melody where those those two halves of that idea are so similar. Mm. They sound so similar to each other. Most of the notes are exactly the same. But this little change makes it work. Yeah. Um, if we were con- to continue with that melody, we would hear, for example, that there's more logical continuation that we expect, and then we get that leap that surprises us a little bit, and then it concludes again mm-hmm. in a way that we would expect. It's structured in such a perfect way yeah. that it's exactly what we'd expect, and at the same time, it sounds fresh. Mm-hmm. Let me also play for you the beginning of the Tchaikovsky melody we heard. Think about that, the structure of how this sounds. So it starts... And then it responds. There's something about... It goes down. Then it goes up. Even in just that little bit, it sounds a little bit like Ode to Joy in that way, that it, the structure is balanced. Mm. But if we went like this... It doesn't work as well mm. as this. Something about when you set up a figure of down, if you go down again, doesn't feel right. He matches it by going up. It's structured nicely and yet has some sort of... It's it's predictability and it's unpredictability. Yeah. You know, it would only happen in a great melody. The same thing in Billy Joel's... Piano Man. Yeah. Let me let me play for you the beginning of Piano Man as well, and think about both both of the things that I've said so far: the kind of closeness of the notes and the structure. So this goes. feels like that last little leap gives some emphasis on that last yeah. note that that gives it that a, a great character. So this is a little abstract. I want to play for you one more melody and keep those two ideas in mind, structure and the closeness of the notes. And now also think about, I mentioned, I think this will be the easiest for, for listeners to visualize, is the contour. 
when I said, for example, Ode to Joy, boom, bo, do, 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 yeah. goes up and then it goes down. Yeah. It looks to me in my mind like a tiny little kind of hill. Okay, yeah. Listen and try to hear kind of a, a, a map in your head sure. of where the melody is going, if it's going up or going down. Okay. Because a great melody has a great contour. Yeah. So listen to this next melody and try to map it out in your ear and visualize it. The melody is going to be played by the clarinet instrument. You'll you'll almost certainly hear it. It's the thing that will stick out to you. But here's here's the the last melody. goes by pretty fast. Should we listen to it one more time? Yeah, yeah. sure. Try listening again, and because and it goes by fast, try to see that line mm-hmm. and kind of visualize the contour. Before we listen again, I just want to take a brief second to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Encoda, N-K-O-D-A. They're a great app that I've been using a lot recently. You can get it on your tablet or phone or computer, and it's a subscription service that allows you to view a huge library of scores online, mark them up, do anything that you would do to study them, look at them. It's great for people, obviously, who read music, either for performing or just for studying, listening along, if you're doing some of our techniques. So it's something I'd highly recommend to all of our listeners, Encoda, N-K-O-D-A. Now let's get back to listening to a little more Brahms. get some little picture yeah, I, I felt like it I felt two forward mo- moments but uh-huh. there was like a, a pause in between with all of the strings it was like it started off very low and uh-huh. then it sort of built up built up built up and then it, it took off even more after that yeah. yeah let me play it for you slowly on the piano so you can hear so we start here it goes down a little bit mm-hmm. up down a little further. It's really hovering around. Yeah, it's like here. every okay. Hovering around. Yeah. It's very few actual notes. It's just going back and forth. Then the next part goes up. Mm-hmm. Hovers here, here, down, up. Hmm. Now the reason why I chose this particular melody is, I'm sure it, this is not easy to hear hmm. on first listen, but if you actually drew out a map of the contour of this melody, yeah, and held up a mirror, the second half of the phrase is exactly 
the inverse oh. of the first half of the phrase. It's a little musical that's trick. It's, oh, that's so cool. So this is by Brahms. This is the third movement of the first third movement of the first symphony. Mm-hmm. And it's a little musical trick. He takes the first half of this idea. It goes down. Mm-hmm. Up. And then he holds a mirror to yep. it, and it goes down, up, down, up, up, down. Okay. So it's exactly the inverse of what you heard in the first half. That's pretty mind-blowing. Isn't that cool? That's really cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And I chose that because it happens to be a really nice melody to sing but it's also a really good illustration of that's like in a way the perfect structure right you've taken Mm. one idea and you've just flipped it Mm. made the reciprocal and somehow that creates a great melody it's in a way a little predictable he's doing this partly because it's a musical trick Um, and so I wouldn't say that it's the greatest melody I've ever heard because it has so much predictability, yeah. maybe not enough unpredictability, but it's cool to think about the contour because mm. one thing that will make up, you know, in the case of Ode to Joy, we have two very similar contours at the beginning, and it's this one tiny little difference that makes the beginning feel complete. Yeah. In this one, it's the exact mirror image, and that's what makes it feel complete. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about melody creation is that it's this kind of innate sense. You're not going to sit down and map out a cool contour on a paper Mm. and say, that will be a good melody, that won't be a good melody. But that is a hallmark of all good melodies, is that their contour is primarily balanced, well thought out, something that's easily understandable, Mm -hmm. and usually has these nice little ebbs and flows with the occasional leap. So... Those are some things that I think are important to think about in melody construction. Now, I wanted to highlight a couple of melodies I think aren't so good, <laughs> because I, but I think this will also help to illustrate why we use these rules for good melodies. Yeah. So the first one, there's actually an amazing video of the conductor, and I'm not going to take any credit for this because this is all in the video, and I encourage people to go and watch this, but the conductor... Yvonne Fisher, a very famous conductor, actually has this video where he's talking about the melody of Happy Birthday Mm. and why it's so bad. And (laughs) he actually rewrites the melody of Happy Birthday to be a better melody. But I'm going to steal some of his ideas for the illustration of they they connect to what I've been saying about why Happy Birthday is not such a great melody. So can I... uh, I'll play you a little bit of Happy Birthday. We all know the melody. It goes... If we think about one thing that I mentioned was that leaps, right? Yeah. Are are the high point of a melody. Yeah. And so if we think about the words to happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. The two really sticks out the in two like a, really yeah. sticks out, right? Yep. And it's not the two. You would like to emphasize happy or birthday yep. or you. Not the two. <laughs> 
And of course, we have again. Then it jumps very high. No one ever sings that in tune. <laughs> and then a bunch of leaps. This part is good because you go, you make a leap and you go, happy birthday to you. But it's a flawed melody because all of those leaps happen to come on two, and we're emphasizing all these things that we don't want to emphasize. And then we have this huge leap at the end, mm. and people sing it out of tune, and it's, yeah. it's hard. I mean, that's a very important thing about melody making, actually, is that... You can follow the melody. Yeah. yeah. You, if, if, if it's hard to sing, it's probably not a good melody. That's why there's all those jokes about, like, sopranos always singing the melody and altos always singing the harmony. Exactly. Been there. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. So... <laughs> Happy birthday! And I encourage you to watch that video because he rewrites it in a way that's actually genius, mm. and it sounds much better. And so I, I would encourage people to watch that. The other melody that I want to briefly highlight, and I, I actually I looked this up before because I didn't want to be like stepping on any toes. Um, and just to be clear, I'm also not trying to criticize our own national anthem in, in any way. It but is a very hard song to sing. It's hard to sing. Yeah. And let's just, let's look at what parts make it hard to yeah. sing. So the very beginning, and there's certain parts that I actually really like, but the beginning. It starts with all of these leaps. Those are actually kind of hard notes to sing. Yep. If it was instead... something something it might be a little easier but it goes and then it keeps leaping another leap this leap I think is good because it's a big emphasis so proud yeah and then this is all close together and I like this part another big set of leaps which is hard to yeah. sing right now the part that I like the best is this key stuck <laughs> <laughs> let's do this once more but I want you to listen think listen how close this is to something like ode to joy when we were talking about the structure it goes Just one note lower. And then... This is all very good. Here's the problem. Flag was still there. We want to emphasize there, yeah. not was. So a similar, a little bit like happy birthday, a lot of the leaps come on words that we wouldn't like to emphasize. It jumps around for me a little too much. Again, no criticism of our national anthem, but, <laughs> but since it's something that people know and is often very tricky for people to sing. Yeah, it's why people are under such criticism when they sing at the Super Bowl. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, are they going to mess it up or not? And actually, when you listen, if you listen closely, and this will 
bring us to, to wrapping up this episode. Um, but if you listen closely when a singer like Beyonce or something yeah. is singing the national anthem and they change something, mm. they often will add, you know, a melody change or two. Yeah. Um, for example, in this spot. note you build to it you don't do this big leap and singers will occasionally do that and you'll hear they make actually alterations to this melody that make it more natural Mm. um and so that's an i hope that can illustrate though how because it's easy to hear good melodies and say they're good but but to listen critically and and also see where are some flaws in in melodies So I think this starts us to wrap up on the episode, and I think overall, I mean, my notes on this are that pop music is definitely seen to be more catchier. Like, I'll get something stuck in my head any day of the week, Uh and it's typically pop music, because I think classical music has this connotation that it's, like, harder to follow along, and... The melody, specifically. Yeah, the melody is, like... more difficult to grasp. Yeah. Why, why, what do you think that is? Yeah, so I think that's a fair assessment for the most part. It's not always the case that that's true. Yeah. For example, the Tchaikovsky thing I played for you is a melody that I think, if you listen to it a few times, could very easily get stuck in your head. And it's not something that's masked. It's a big solo for one instrument that you can hear mm. very clearly. But that's that comes in the context of a big piece and there's all this stuff going yeah. on and it's very complicated. Pop songs and indeed the pop genre for the most part is b- based around two things. Mm. Melody, rhythm. Yeah. Those are very important. We'll talk about rhythm on another podcast, I'm sure. Mm. But there's usually one melody yep. and rhythm. Yep. And there's some other stuff too, but part of the point is that melody is one of the things we gravitate to most easily as human beings. Yeah. And we want to feel that familiarity, sing along. Mm. And so that is just the truth yep. of, of pop music versus classical music is that melodically... It's, it's easier to yeah. consume pop music. Yeah. I will I will admit that. Now that's not always the case. I mean, as I said, there are there are many instances in classical music where where the melody yeah. takes the forefront and mm. that's it's beautiful and that's important. But what I'll say is that melody in classical music is one of many important parameters. Yeah. And even in the most complicated classical music, the melody is still very important and is often just as well constructed, better constructed than, say, a pop song. Mm. But there's there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So this is the reason why I wanted to start with this episode as we build up to listening to some stuff, is that we really need to activate our 
ears to listening critically to to melodies um, so that we have that facility when we introduce other things like harmony, rhythm, timbre. There are so many different sounds of instruments in classical music, Mm. form, the way that different ideas interact with each other. Usually a pop song is one or two ideas. Classical music, a a big symphony can have 150 ideas that you need to really grasp. Purely musical ideas, I mean. Um, And so that's, we want to build this skill of of listening to melodies. So what I'd encourage is to take... Just just listen, right? yeah, Yeah, and take some pop songs. Yeah. Pop songs that you are familiar with mm-hmm. that you know very well and listen closely to the melodies don't just sing along but actually listen to try to map out the contour in your head mm-hmm. try to see are they balanced do they have a nice structure see where the leaps are see if the leaps are on important moments mm-hmm. if they do something for you if there's too many leaps if it's too if it stays too much in the same area yeah listen and try to Take pop songs, also take classical music, whatever floats your boat, but mm. but try to listen to melody in, in a slightly more critical way and really isolate the melody and say, what is, what do I like about this? What's yep. good? What's not good? Yep. If I can recommend, Tchaikovsky is a fantastic classical composer yeah. to listen for melodies. Rachmaninoff is a similar way. In fact, counterintuitively, Someone like Beethoven is actually, mm. I would not say, a fantastic melodist. Mm. There's so much other stuff in his music that's pheno- phenomenal, but melody is not always, that's, that's, that's an overgeneralization, but it's not always of utmost importance to someone like Beethoven. So actually these composers that you think of as really romantic, uh, yeah. heartthrob composers, Tchaikovsky, Rachmaninoff. A classical piece that gets stuck in my head all the time, even when I just think about it, is Borden's Polovitzian Dances. The bana bana. Great, great uh, suggestion. Borden is another similar to Tchaikovsky, another Russian composer who whose melodies are of the utmost importance. And I think actually that piece, Polovitzian Dances, for example is very much about melody and rhythm, like a lot of pop music. That's why it's so catchy. Mm. Great piece for people to go listen to. That's actually a fantastic suggestion. When you're not listening to Lizzo's Truth Hurts, it's another good one. Do you know this one, Jacob? No. No. What is that? It's, why I'm in great till I gotta be great. You know that song? I just took a DNA test, turns out. Nope. uh, Nothing. Got nothing. Great. Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) It's embarrassing for me, not you. Kick you I'm off sure the it's podcast. I'm sure it's popular. <laughs> well, anyways, thank you so much. Uh, we'll wrap it there, and we'll continue on this this idea with with kind of other important parameters of music. I think in in future episodes, and hopefully building to some sort yeah. of some sort of guided listening through a big, complicated, exciting piece. Thank you so much for listening, and keep listening. Yep, we'll see you soon. All right, bye. Bye. For more information about this podcast, you can find us at attentiontodetailpod.com, where you'll find a list of techniques presented in these episodes and a two-week program for starting your own listening practice. You can also find us on all of your favorite social media channels. We encourage you to follow us, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating. We hope to see you soon at a concert.